Ladies and gentlemen, we are back at the Cliff Dorfman Show Part 2. All right, let's get to it. You finally, you're going through your 20s, you buy this painting, you're, you're working. Are you feeling the ebbs and flows of the, you know, the highs and lows of your career? Or are you just straight through, head down, ass up, push forward? I think, you know, head down, kind of push forward has always been my kind of thing. But I, I think, you know, the reality is in this business is, is like on the highest level, those ups and flows happen. So well, Blade, whether right? you're Jim Carrey or whether you're, you know, uh, one of the best directors in the world, you know, like Oliver Stone. What, yeah. What's Oliver and Michael Mann doing right now? What, what you know, saying. what, you know, there are great talent that aren't chugging right now. And then there's all these other people making bad movies for Netflix or whatever. You know, it's just, it's just a, you know, it's an interesting Amen. time. It's a different, you know, it's a different, uh, well, it's a different landscape completely. It's a, yeah. It's a totally different game, but you know, the truth is ebbs and flows. Yeah. Come, you know, that's part of this business. I don't think, you know, you could kind of always bat 100, you know. I don't think, I mean, even even kind of the lucky ones that just have always maybe bat, batted pretty, you know, the movies are always successful. They're all, you know, that tends to always also be about, like, what the budget of the film is. You know, I always made decisions based on creative. So I chose a movie with Jack Nicholson, with Bob Rafelson, called Blood, Blood and Wine, instead of doing... The co more commercial movie, maybe that I could have done, that would have made a hundred million dollars. Right, so you'll choose to do I, City I, of I, Industry with Timothy Hutton, who yeah. won an Oscar, and instead of doing whatever that big studio movie, you could have gone and done that year. Is. Yeah. So I think there is a, a very I mean, strong I always choice. Made, yeah, I made ballsy choices. I mean, I was I remember being at WME, or it was an Endeavor after Blade. It was uh, you know I was one of the first clients at Endeavor, and I remember the. Uh, you know John Waters movie that I did Cecil B Demented mm -hmm. I remember John Waters Love. offered me too. offered Love. me that movie and he wrote the movie for me on his uh, on his desk he had a picture he sent me the picture of me from a magazine with white hair that he had written for the after the S uh, yeah. SFW yeah, and movie he wrote with the, the white hair he this movie connects, Jason? he wrote this movie and he said you know you want to do it and I, and I and I said yes I did and I, you know and Johnny Depp had done a film with, you know, Crybaby. Hey, Cry and all these actors always tell me how great he was and it, that you want to definitely have one of his films on your filmography. And for me, yeah, okay, I'm not going to maybe only work with John Waters. I want to explore different kinds of cinema, too. And John is very specific. But to me, he's like a punk rock Woody Allen, and he's a total artist. And so I made, I made a movie, played the title character. Endeavor didn't want me to do the movie. They wanted me to do a movie. What happens when that happens? So you tell Endeavor, John Waters got in touch with me, offered me this movie. And what do they say? They're like, like look, what John happens? Waters, you know, it's not going to do anything for your career. It's not going to change anything. And I said, I said, well, yeah, but not everything has to always be a step you know if you're building just to, to make the most money yeah okay you, you build building blocks like legos and you're like okay i should get as, as many uh, huge franchises as i can and that that's right. a way to do it you know like chris pratt he's in like eight franchises at the time and <laughs> probably made a lot of money yeah i never really wanted that kind of career i wanted to do john waters movie they wanted me to do a movie with vin diesel called knock around guys at oh New yeah Line, of course which i thought was terrible and mm. i turned it down guys are rounders yeah i and i got rid of them as my agents and i and i basically did the john waters movie and we were in Cannes at the midnight screening in the palais and fucking standing ovation and it's like why wouldn't i want to you know art art kids art I students can. always come to me and the, yeah of course because it's can knock around guys that's what i'm saying can. that's what i'm saying it's a so whole like, different it's journey. a different game and i think you know you you want to always work with special artists you want to take risks and do things obviously i'm 46 now so I'm in a different place in my life. I'm not really, uh, you know, I, I kind of am interested in, uh, I, I, what I liked about True Detective was beyond movies, it was A, just 
such great writing. And then on top of that, it was getting to play a character for more than just an hour and a half or two hours. You know, in a movie, you have like those three big scenes. You have right. your your opening scene, your mid, you know, your third act kind of crusher that you need to nail. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully it all comes together in a two hour movie or a three hour movie if you're going to you know, or four hour movie if you're <laughs> going to keep going. But right. the truth is why I think actors love the cable front and TV is because you get to play these characters for like eight hours, 10 mm-hmm. hours. I, I had 50 of those scenes that I would have in, in backbeat or right. whatever big scenes, you know, and so those, that was really But you said something earlier amazing. that I wanted to just pounce on. And I, I let you talk more because you kept saying something more interesting, oh, but sorry. I want to go back. No, no, no. Yeah. It, it leads back to this, which is you said something. You said, I wake up in the morning and I remind myself I'm not this character. And then I go about, you know, blah, blah, blah. Is this every part you play? Like, do you have to wake up in the morning, especially like you're on True Detective for, what did you say, eight months? Yeah. No, I can leave the character pretty. I mean, I'm not, I'm like not method. Like, you know, I don't walk around in the character at home. And, you know, maybe when I'm figuring it out in the beginning, I do that a little more. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty much turn it on, turn it off. I mean, I pretty much like to go home and be me. But I think as a repetition and as a pattern, if you're playing a character every day and mm-hmm. you're the main guy, you you know, a part of you is in that character and a part of that character is part of you. But ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, it was I, um, you know, when I, when I did I Shot Andy Warhol and I'm dressed up as a woman, yeah, I'm walking around in high heels in my hotel room because I'm trying to fucking learn how to walk in heels, mm-hmm. you know, because this Candy Darling knew how to walk in heels and she was taking hormones and there was a lot of things that I wasn't going to do for the part just to affect my right, own right. life, but I acted it. You know, I believe that, you know, acting is is, is acting. I, right. I, you know, I, I don't really go, I don't need to go so deep to where uh, I have to, you know, talk to me as my character name and, and all these things you hear about certain actors do. I, I just, right. I can turn it on and turn it off. You know, I can go into an accent and come out of it. I, that's just something I've always done as a kid. You know, I mean, I've always been able to, uh, to do that. So I kind of, I, and I, I think it's a lot less painful too. I think if you're always acting, you know, I want to act when the camera's rolling, I want to lay it down and I never want to return to that scene. That's probably why I never wanted to do theater really. Cause I'm not really interested in, in doing the same performance and even if I can change it every night and I'm sure that's interesting as an actor I don't I don't want to I want to I want to lay my part in the can and then it's somebody else's job it's that editor and that filmmaker's job to make sure it all comes together you know you know when I direct a film that'll be the challenge is fuck have all this material (laughs) I have all this stuff how do you carve a performance you know let's talk about your Nashville singer (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Ryan actually directed that movie. Okay, so Ryan, yeah. who has been sitting with us this whole time, I didn't realize Ryan directed one of my favorite movies that Steven did, which is Wheeler. And this movie, there's something about your life and knowing you as long as I have and watching what happened with Wheeler and you making it, you you know, putting this all together, the songs, writing it, Andrew, and then it, Andrew passing. Mm. And it was like everything was before and then Wheeler happened and now you're in the rest of your life. It's like you decided to do TV and you did True Detective and then you did Deputy. It's like everything sort of, you went through this gateway. Tell me how Wheeler starts because now you're living your life, you're out in Malibu, you got money, you know, you've managed to outrun yourself in a way, right? Yeah. And what, what, what makes you want to make this movie Wheeler? Because I feel this is the next juncture in your life. Yeah, well, me and me and Ryan had done all these movies. Uh, Ryan, come in. What's your name? Tell us yeah. your name, Ryan. Oh. Ryan Ross. Ryan uh, Ross, Ryan director. Ross, uh, we met. We met right after I had done uh, Sofia Coppola's movie somewhere, and uh, and Ryan 
kind of where uh, you got to live at the chateau. Yeah, it became again. my assistant, and then we worked very closely on all these films and projects, some good, some bad, and and basically he was like my partner. And then ultimately we took a break, and uh, you know when you when you're working that intimately for that long of a time, sometimes you drive each other crazy. So we just kind of separated for a lo- little bit, and I was kind of in a funk. I was kind of not really. Wasn't loving the movies that were being offered to me, you know. As an actor, if you're not given the chance, there's, no, you know, you can stand in front of your your house or you can get up on a stage and start doing Shakespeare or whatever. But the truth is, unless you have a fucking great script and a great director that wants you, you're kind of out of luck. So, you know, um, for what I do, I, I'm a film actor, so I I need a camera, I need a crew, <laughs> I need a lot of shit to do what I do. <clears throat> you know, Fair if, enough. if I wanted to do dinner theater, I you know yeah, that no would problem. be an option. You know, but anyway. <laughs> Definitely, maybe I should. Steven. Maybe I should. Yeah. Anyway, definitely um, doesn't work out. Let's or, let's move on. Or go into porn. Anyway, um, that's a real. I could option, be the though. first mainstream actor that goes to porn. Yeah, you went the other way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, no. You so, can see that. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So basically, we're, I'm sitting. I'm doing a lot of. Uh, you know, I love music. Music's a part of my family. I grew up as the son of a songwriter. My brother. And so Andrew Dork, your brother. A, yeah, my brother worked his ass. This yeah, he worked his ass off for ten years getting you know getting paid dirt and and i'd always say get the fuck out of there you know fuck nashville he moved to nashville he's like i don't want to be a part of any of this stuff i'm gonna and by the way i should say about andrew andrew when he was 16 he uh was writing poetry uh, i got the privilege of writing a couple of songs with andrew yeah. like, right around when he was that age through yeah. you yeah and then he goes and he gets this deal out of nowhere at sony yeah uh and he makes this album hint a mess which is yeah. a rock album yeah. which was amazing and then he decides i don't want to do this I don't want to tour. And this kid, he's got the long hair. He's all brooding, good-looking dude. And you're like, all right. He's just like, fuck it. I'm moving to Nashville. And he shuts it down, and he moves to Nashville. He's like, I'm going to be a songwriter. I don't even want to be a, an artist anymore. Yeah. yeah and he, he starts writing country. Yeah, he was on tour. I mean, I remember I saw him uh, open for Kenny Loggins in Paris or something. It was just bizarre. <laughs> he, like, busted out, though, for a minute. Yeah, and he, well, he said, was signed you know by really great, great labels, Lost Highway, which is a record that we just put up on on Apple. They just did a whole new thing. It was kind of the hidden oh, really? album that never came out. Yeah, you should get a copy of that. Oh, I will. That, that album is fucking awesome. Lost Highway? Yeah. Okay. And, um... Uh, it's well, that was the label, but it's on Apple. Where there's a whole Andrew Dorf thing now on Apple that my dad did. So they oh, that's great. You can go on Apple, yeah. But anyway, uh, right. And, so he shuts it down. He moves to Nashville, and yeah. he starts from scratch to say, "I want to be the songwriter." And he builds himself up over these ten years into one of the biggest country songwriters in oh, Nashville. Yeah. Right? I'm yeah, not huge. exaggerating. Yeah, I mean, right? he just no, he just he's, you know seven, eight number ones. Like, later. Name and, a few of them for me. Look, uh, at, look at it, please. I mean, he wrote all. Jason, he wrote all. Blake Shelton's hits, you know, My Eyes, Somebody's Heartbreak, uh, Kenny Chesney, Save It for a Rainy Day, I mean, you know, Rascal Flats, Yours If You Want, I mean, he just had so many. He is flying, and now you're home. He's got Carrie Underwood now, he's got like some other, some big one coming. They're still coming out. Oh, yeah. I mean, like my dad kind of, with Universal, you know, they plug the songs, and then a lot of people now, because he's gone, want... You know, he wrote great songs with Laurie McKenna, all these great writers, you know, and they all Because he was always come, working. It yeah. comes like you and him are not very far apart at all. Okay, wait. So, so going back to yes. the, how me and, you know. Wheeler, so Ryan. Basi- yeah, so basically I was just sitting around Malibu and I was writing a lot of songs, but I was actually going to the Valley um, to a studio that my dad would go to. And I found a, a cool niche with this guy, Michael Woodrum, that mm-hmm. is a um, really interesting engineer and had a cool little private space to record. And, and I thought, you know, I want to... I want to start fucking around with with music, and and I have all these songs in my head, so I I should write them as opposed to just you know putting an idea down and never coming back to it, forgetting it, you know, because music is like golf. You gotta 
you got to keep playing to be good. Well, you got to keep, keep working the muscle. Yeah. And so, by uh, the way, if anyone doesn't know, this is not bullshit. Stephen can fucking sing, and he writes songs, and it's really kind of scary because it's like, couldn't so, they just stop with the other talent you had? Just like, like enough, right? man. So Seriously, I never, I never did. You know, I never really did the music. I never did it professionally. I never, you know. So I was writing these songs. Where me and Ryan hung out. He's like, "What have you been doing?" I said, well, "I've been fucking writing these songs." Because after you guys and took I, a break, you come yeah, back together. Actually, you've been writing these songs. It's cathartic. I've been, music. I've been actually completing them, and he's like, mm. "Wow, this is actually." That's pretty good, you know, and that, oh, shit, that's a good one, too. And, like, where are you doing this? And he asks all these questions, and I'm like. And had you written any with Andrew at this point? No. These I, are all yours. Yeah, and Andrew is funny, you know, because Andrew, growing up with me and my dad, he was, you know, A, he's my brother, so he's in the shadow of me and mm -hmm. my upfront kind of career because he was always in the background and right. liked that better. But that was just the reality. And then my dad being a big songwriter and my brother trying to break through it was almost like where who is Andrew Dorf where is his identity because he was signed by these big labels but he right. didn't want to become a big musician and go on tour and play that game and it wasn't healthy for him so he loved the niche of wow I can just write my poetry smoke my cigar you know and sit in Nashville have my dogs and have a nice relaxed life you know and 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 I always kept saying well what are you doing there they're idiots they're not recording your songs fuck them you could record with Beyonce and do you know you're too good of a lyricist <laughs> fuck country music he's like Steve you don't understand you know I it takes time I'm trying to crack something it takes time everything he told me I just wanted it for him because I cared about him and I right. wanted him to not be in a money position I wanted him to to be able to do what he wanted to do with his life you know buy the house he wanted to do you know right. uh, and and he was always struggling because he wasn't hitting. And then boom, sure enough, everything he told me was exactly what was meant to happen. It is a weird town. It took him that long to ingratiate the relationships and for people to realize, wow, he has a unique sound. He has a unique voice. And like anything, unique talent. And then like anything, boom. You know, nobody was writing lyrics like him in Nashville. They're all singing about, you know, drinking a Coors Light on the on the back of their bumper of their truck you know andrew was he's using jack kerouac uh, yeah, you know uh he's going he's diving deep yeah andrew's a, was a deep man with words that i could <laughs> never do i mean i'm more like my dad i, I could sit down on the piano and play and play by ear and mm -hmm. write something like that andrew couldn't do that he was a word dude you know right and so uh so you're writing these songs, you're playing so I'm for writing Ryan. these songs, I plan for Ryan, and I'm like, you know, we should just make our own fucking movie. You know, we should just, you know, I don't know what the movie is, but what, wouldn't it be great if I could do the music within a character and change maybe, you know, and, and I don't know how the discussion started. And this started. is in Malibu, you guys are talking, like, yeah. in the living room or whatever. Yeah, pretty much, and basically... I don't you know, know how you ever left that house, by the way. Like, anytime I'm in that house, that was the... So cozy. I know. I know it's gone. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I know, actually it was your miss, choice. I needed. I needed more space. And I don't know. I know, but still, you can get lost in that house. Am I right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So you're in the house. You're talking about this. You're like, what if I could do this character yeah, through I, these songs? Well, it was a it was a deep conversation because I was like, well, you know, how do you do that? If I'm doing this, then I'm just a, then then we have to really write a script, you know. And we didn't. I, I wanted to get up and start doing it because I was really jazzed about the music and i felt like if i sit on this for too long i'm gonna get another movie and then this is that's gonna, it this is gonna pass away kind of and die and somewhere so we were kind of talking about you know what kind of movie could we do and i said look if it's a love story where i play a country singer it, then we're doing country strong or we have to come up with a script and other characters and it's you're talking a year two years now you know because we're nowhere with this all we got is some songs and we got me what could we make you know and we, so we started talking hmm. about, you know, what if we didn't have a script? What if we just got up on our feet, did it like a documentary, go get a half a million dollars from somebody and 
just go to Nashville and start shooting this fucking thing. But then they're going to notice me, you know, because not that I'm Tom Cruise famous at the time, but they're fucking still know my face. And they're going to be like, oh, that's the guy from. Second you hire a crew, they're going to go Dorf's doing a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what do we do? You know, and then we started thinking, well, fuck, if we come up with a treatment and then we could do it almost like Sasha Baron Cohen would approach a comedy. Like, you know, I thought about him a lot because he, he did like, you know, Barat and all these comedies where he obviously is using real people, then mm -hmm. getting releases cutting out the bad bits, putting the good bits in, yep. and kind of crafting a film. Yep. So I've seen that happen in a lot of great comedies, but I've never really quite seen that happen in a, in a linear drama. So we thought, Jesus, you know, how could we take it one step further? What if I disguised myself and then got So that's up. where the prosthetics come from. Yeah, and we had this yeah. idea, and I had just worked with Christian Tinsley on, you know, I worked oh, with him on so, Fallon and all these movies. You did all your tattoos, right? Christian Tinsley does. He's yeah. Like, oh, so he's I said, so good. So I said, fuck, you know, let me go meet Christian. He's a big guy. He's doing Westworld at the moment, the first season. He had his hands full, but I'm like, can I just play you a couple songs? Give you an idea. Did you know him before this? Did yeah. You know? okay. I had worked on Fallon and a few Oh, he did the Fallon stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I played him some songs. He looked at me like, that sounds pretty good. You know, because I, oh, I forgot to mention that I went back in the studio and re-recorded some of these demos as as a Wheeler type voice. I went more country with the character yeah. because now that my song, my sound oh. isn't as country as Wheeler, you know. Oh, so when you first played these songs for Ryan, they had a different feel. You're like, bit. let's yeah, re-record it. Jam, more, more little rock. more like my voice, a right. little more rock, a little more kind of melodic, but not not you know, not with a twang. Like, right, and you pulled it into like that that yeah. real country so home. I, yeah, so I spent all this money at the studio kind of trying to find this voice of the guy with Ryan, and then boom, we had this like our materials. We had this like treatment, uh, you know, six page or eight page treatment, and then we had a um, the tapes, you know, and so I go over to Christian. I said, "What do you think?" And he's like, "Well, you know, to do this, I said, what would it take? You're not going to have a ton of money, but you know, to let's say for three weeks, me getting in prosthetics every day, and basically we just shooting the fuck out of Nashville, and we go on this journey. And if we get the diner in the morning, we go shoot the diner. Then we go into the studio. We just shoot all out of order, but but you had the scriptment. But we had this treatment." Yep. Which um, had no dialogue, nothing really. And it just you had decided to, to say yes that Ryan could direct this at this point because it's yeah. not a small thing. That was I mean, later. That with was all later. Respect, that I'm was saying. later. I mean, in my mind, we did it together. It was a. We, it seems we came like up it. to. Yeah. We came up with it together. We came up, but the truth is, I was acting and I was doing the music. Ryan was kind of setting the shots and working with the DP. And I just said, you know, why do I need to have my name on the movie fifty times? I can, you know, I'm not a. But you did the same thing with our friend Michael Beaumont, who hadn't directed a feature, and you let him uh, edited a feature, and you let him uh, edit the. Uh, this one yeah. and it's, it came out brilliant I mean you seem to do this a lot with our friends you're always lifting people up with Bo Jesse when I'm on the show uh -huh. you know it just like, seems like and again he's very talented but yeah. you're always helping people as long yeah, as I can a, remember if I'm in a position to uh, they're all talented don't get me wrong yeah. I'm saying they, they earn it but well, it's still Wheeler, Wheeler lent itself to be a homegrown family type project you know and so I thought, Tinsley says yes he's like this is what so it's gonna Tinsley's cost you like it's it's you know we first we got to do it I do I got to do a head cast of you and I got to you know come up with a design you know and uh, you know and so you know, no I don't know three weeks three weeks later or something we go over there and we're looking at these different designs and you had to pay him for this it's not like he's doing it for free yeah I mean I think I was paying it was full rate I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the way it's not cheap yeah, yeah I mean, he's one was, of the best in the business yeah, yeah it was full rate and and so basically we decided we found the look uh, you know sort of and then we we uh, you know, put a team together and literally we we got the money. And then we, uh, it was just so much work, you know. And you went down with uh, Bobby, Tom what was his name, Bobby Tumberland? Or? Oh, yeah. So then I mentioned it to my brother. And my brother, uh -huh. I didn't really 
love the idea. What right. I told him was, I said, yeah, but I'm not coming in as Stephen Dorff. I'm coming in as this. Weird. It's more of like an interesting, weird thing. And if we all wrote a song, it could be great. And what if the guy really, you know, sang a hit? And what if, what if they really like him? And you Chris Christopherson, you know, what if we just, you know, do, you know, do this and then fake a, a beginning, middle, and end, but kind of through the character, through the backstory, we we understand and we care about him, and it becomes this journey through the music. It was almost like to me an hour and a half music video but linear storytelling of of this guy's dream you know his dad dies he's never really gotten off his rocking horse out in fucking texas and he decides fuck it i've always wanted to go to nashville i've never fucking been i'm going you know and he goes and you know and it was a fucking nightmare it was very hard very hard to film but at the same time very fast i mean we shot the movie in what 14 days or I think 12, I think. 12, 12 days. So Amazing. you're talking about prosthetics, getting putting prosthetics on in a Holiday Inn fucking bathroom <laughs> on the road. You know, no trailers, no fucking camera. You know, just two two guys with little cameras and uh, shooting it like a documentary. How and happy were you? It was, the, it was the freest acting experience I've ever had because it was just like, holy shit, we're at the Bluebird Cafe and I'm about to go on. And, did and, they not and I, know it's you? No, they Bluebird did. Okay. The bluebird did, Bluebird the audience did. didn't, and the people on stage with me didn't, except for Bobby. Only the people who owned Bluebird made the decisions knew it was you. Otherwise, okay. everyone thought you were Wheeler. Everybody thought I was a country <laughs> songwriter, you know. If you haven't seen this movie, first of all, Wheeler, iTunes, anywhere you get movies, just fucking watch this movie because it is a The journey. good news is, is we just got the movie back and we own it again because we sold it to E1 and E1's the studio on on De- on Deputy, so we uh, I managed to snaggle that out and now I can, Congrats. I'm going to hopefully... It's all done. So now, now that I'm done working for right now, I'm gonna hopefully we'll sell it to Netflix or give oh, it please. another a rebirth. You know, please do uh, because it's available now. I think. I mean, because we we were on, on Am- iTunes, we were on Amazon, but now yeah. you can buy it on iTunes. Good. Right? So people just buy it. You guys get the money now anyway. Yeah. So let's just buy it. Well, so all right. So while you're doing all this, and now you film the movie. This movie is is uh, you know it's deep, and yeah. right when this thing is coming out, Andrew dies. Yeah, right on the on the heel of the release date, which was just like, what is going on here? You know, like, and right my brother wrote a great, so, you know, the lead song of the of the of the um, of the like. movie is "Pour Me Out of This Town," which is you know again a lyric only my brother could have written, "Pour Me Out of This Town." Yep. I mean, it was a great title, and and then we, um, you know, Bobby and me and just him wrote that, did. and then basically, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, he it, drowned. And you find this out, and the movie. I remember this, ha- and and you had to fly from like. Didn't you have to? Fly, it was so be- beyond losing your only brother. The fucking you have to fly to Miami or something in the helicopter to make sure that something because he died in foreign soil, right? Yeah, he well he yeah he I mean he pretty much died in the air, you know, on the plane. So, <sighs> but uh, and but now you, the movie you know. comes out. It's like right on the heels, pretty much, for a yeah, couple of months, right? A, you know, it got a nice, you know, whatever. You know, to, there's no point in releasing a movie in 10 cities if it's in the wrong cities where, you know, just to get a theater count, you know. Well, not if they're not going to follow up with an award campaign. No, I mean, I think Wheeler was playing in the, you know, in, in by the airport in, the, in some, <laughs> you know, Magic Johnson 8 or whatever, and it, it's like really not for that area. It should have been playing at the Angelica and it should have been playing at the Arclight and it should have been playing where people want to go see art movies. Yes. And uh, you can't can't stick a movie in the, you know, you can't stick a movie like Wheeler in the, you know, in the, uh, 
in a multiplex with all these studio movies if it has no marketing and no TV commercials. So, you know, it's just a, it's kind of a gimmick, these, these releases. And the truth is I would have much rather had it be on a streaming channel where everybody can watch it forever or for that big long run of five years or whatever, right. you know. So now we'll hopefully give it another rebirth. But the truth is the it's collected a lot of amazing supporters and fans, whether it's, you know, certain guys at Sirius, whether it's certain guys, you know, filmmakers, um, you know, actors, it's it's definitely never been done. And I like that we accomplished it and finished it. I like finishing an idea because so much of my, uh, in my life, a lot of the times I, I get um, sidetracked and I have to go to do another movie. So my focus becomes on that. And then that great song I was maybe writing just falls to the just side. This wasn't like a three quarter. We finished it. I ended up firing the financer and paid for it, which I don't recommend uh, people <laughs> doing. Um, I, I think actually, you made the right yeah. choice, though, at the end of the day. Well, with at the end guy. of the day, it was a really special movie. And then for my brother and everything, I just wanted to own it. And I wanted to, you know, I mean, I wanted people that didn't deserve to have their name on it be taken off. And I ended up buying them out. And, you know, it, it screwed me uh, financially for a while. But ultimately, uh, you know. I mean, when Andrew passed, I really kind of lost the drive to want to even create. I didn't really want to do uh, play the game in Hollywood anymore, even if, you know, David O. Russell called tomorrow and said, we want to talk about my new movie. Uh, you know, I wasn't down. To no, you were out. I was uh, out. Yeah, you were not. And then, um, you know, a year to his passing, hmm. you know, I, I was doing little things just to kind of pay the bills and keep me afloat. You know, I did that Lee Daniels you know. thing and I did this <laughs> and that and a few other little things, but I was really like, fuck this, I'm done for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, and then Nick Pizzolatto, out of nowhere, you know, uh, to the year of my brother's passing, just gave me True Detective and then all this shit started popping again, you know? And it was well, probably the best creative experience I've ever had, you know? But this is what I'm seeing as a whole as we talk about you and, and Wheeler is such a great metaphor for, you know, uh, for you, really, in a lot of ways, and and this this cathartic change into now who you've become. But really, it starts out when we were talking about with Avildsen. You know, you're the last guy standing. You're still here. You're still making movies. You're still making shows. You're still the lead of shows. And this is 35 years going now. 40 yeah. years working. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rebuilding a career each step of the way, different, reinventing, making this movie with Ryan. You'll turn around and you'll sell it again. You'll own it. You have your house in Malibu. You do a thing. You sell your house in Malibu. This is you still standing. And it's it's, it's just fantastic to me. And I don't find it at all. I'm taking a moment to do some talking because I, I don't normally do this. But I remember saying with Hartwell when True Detective came in, we were both like, oh, this is perfect. Like, this is exactly what the universe had to give Steven right now. He gets to go away. He gets to go dive into this fucking character. It's really, you know, a high level of work. Mm. And it's going to help him, you know, get through this, you know, horribleness. And then you came out of it. And then what do you say? You, you finally, after how many years of saying no to TV, you say, all right, fuck it, I'll do Deputy. And how does that yeah. come about? I mean, you know, I was looking at a lot of things. They were sending a ton of... Obviously, I wanted to do a cable show because I had such a great time on cable because it's much more freeing. It's much more like making a film. Network TV, no matter <clears throat> how daring they want to be, it'll always be for advertisers and, and it's always going to be limited, you know, as far as, you know, to delve deep into a cop show, I would have liked to have gone beyond the shield. I would have liked to have gone really gritty. You know, what do cops do? Do they, you know, when they have problems at work, where do those demons go? Where does all that baggage go? Well, it, it goes places and there's things that happen and cops yeah. sleep together and different things happen and we can't really go into that on network TV. We can't really... It's more of a, what I call a popcorn stuff, but at the same time, 
it's good popcorn, and it and oh, it gives great. me a chance to play a kind of a Clint Eastwood weird character on TV, which I don't think exists. You know, real kind of balls to the wall, which I like. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really want to do a network show, so I passed on it. Well, like that's why I'm asking you. Times. I know you yeah. passed on, and not just this show. You've passed on a lot of different network opportunities from CBS, from a long line of I people saying. I think because I feel like there's a there's like a, something to do with. Well, a I don't think some people don't even have you know, normal TV anymore. Yeah, I know. Because they just Everyone's watch, streaming. you know, Hulu or Netflix or whatever they're watching. And um, That's what I do. I just got rid of DirecTV. Yeah. You don't need it anymore. I know. Nobody, you know, unless you want to watch, you know, the Super Bowl and then you go to a bar, I guess, yeah, or yeah, something. But, good. you know. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I mean, the truth is I'm the fine. world's changed dramatically. But, you know, I think going back to what you were saying, yep. I think, uh, you know, I finally looked at Deputy and I thought, you know what? All these other shows that they're offering me from cable are like uh, AI a serial killer you know fucking you know this uh, there wasn't anything like true detective mm-hmm. so when i looked at deputy i'm like whoa okay there is a character here and there is an old school kind of simpleness about this layout of this show which a in success could mean it could go for a very long time it doesn't get limited after one two years where you're like well what do we do next we have a hit here stranger things what do, what do we do next you know mm-hmm. like you know whereas a lot of these ideas are created for the first season second season but there's nowhere to really go this felt like a law and order type thing it's basically me hunting down bad guys every week well, and- it's sons of anarchy except the motorcycle gang is the uh, los angeles sheriff's department that's right. what this is it's right. you have this dramatic set in this gritty world as gritty as network can be yeah you know in la which yeah. how often do you get to shoot in la and you well, can I literally didn't get to shoot that much in la but, that, right. you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, but uh, hopefully next time um, but it looks cool the exteriors look oh, yeah great. i mean look david david air was obviously... that's david air was gonna bring this up so yeah. fury i mean he's one of my favorites he's ep in directing right yeah and he directed the first two episodes and you know he's a very intense interesting guy he comes from the street of downtown he knows he knows law enforcement he knows criminals he knows this kind of world and i thought okay it's his first time delving in i I asked the question why didn't you sell this package to cable we could have done this anywhere right me you what he said script we could have gone anywhere um he said he wanted to make a show for middle america he wanted to go big network you know and i'm sure money has to do with that well that is where all the money is i yeah. mean at the end of the day don't you deserve it i mean how you know yeah. you can do cool indies the rest of your life yeah. but it, that's gonna pay you forty thousand dollars or a million dollars or fifty thousand it's not yeah. you know you can't yeah no, I, mean, I, I, I you know what so if you live another 50 60 years you need money yeah. <laughs> you're gonna stay on yeah. earth the end of the day, uh, the end of the day, I went for it, and you know, I love the cast, I love the people I'm working with. I, you know, I, I have some ideas on how to change things for the next uh, season, and um, you know, you're already renewed, right? Not yet. Ah, you're I, renewed. Yeah, they said we look pretty good. Anyway, you know, I mean, I have ideas how to make it better, but you know, the truth is, it's you know, Ryan helped me a lot on on this show because um, you know, we're trying to figure out what what movie to kind of kind of hatch next, maybe. Uh, which I won't pay for. Somebody else will. <laughs> yes, but, that's uh, the way to go now. But, uh, um, no, but if they're making you burst but into I can a say courtroom, son of a bitch. Yeah, if they're making you burst into a courtroom and say, "May I approach?" You know, at least you're going to make it work for you, and you do. Yeah. In those scenes where you're like, "Okay," and if you're looking at Middle America, they're not even questioning that. They're like, right. "Great, that's an awesome fucking scene." Now yeah. you're taking it up a notch, and it's not the normal fare that I'm seeing on the rest of the network. And it's fucking. I'm like, "All right, I'm in. I don't give a fuck. This is great." Yeah. Who's he gonna arrest next? Beat someone up. You Get wanna, that fucking bearded entertain. dude around with a shotgun. Yeah. I want to see him break something. Yeah. You know. And then plus, it seems like you're using all of the real, like a lot of real people. Like I don't know. Am I wrong? Like tell me I'm right because it seems it. 
Like tech-wise? Are you using like we real SWAT? Of, yeah, no, we use a lot of real, um, you know, sheriff deputies too. Yeah, right. we, I mean, Mark Schlegel is one uh, that is uh, off, you know, when he's off duty, he's a huge, huge uh, asset to, I think, the storytelling and, and, you know, did this happen? Could this happen? Always bouncing off ideas with really? the real guys is, is really important. Plus, I like playing a, a guy that it, at the end of the day in his heart, He's a good guy, and he's a fucking. He wants to clean up the streets for people to yeah. to be safer. He has a family too, and he, you know, and I think you know all the other characters, supporting characters, are are kind of starting to hatch and find their voices. You know, Brian Van Holt, my wife. I really like the family stuff. Yara's, yeah, name, Yara's right? really good. I think she's great. Um, you know, she's the guy a... that plays my dad. This guy, Michael Harney, who is a really good actor. He was. I just a... saw it with the Alzheimer's. I mean, it's yeah, uh, yeah that was uh, that kind of got me a little bit. He's I got to really, tell he's you, really good. tell my son to stop being so cocky. Yeah. He doesn't have to do that when he's around me, yeah. you know. And it like reminded me. Remember what we were talking about on Felon when we were talking about doing that scene on um, Felon Two. We were talking about doing that scene with you and Sam Shepard. Yeah. We were going to add. You had the idea to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when I was watching that, I'm like, this is what it could have been. I'm like, they were so dumb. They should have done that because I'm watching this scene with you. Was he on Rescue Me? That guy. He's so good. He was in the first season of True Detective. The True Detective, scenes, right, right, right. right. And then Orange is the new Oh, black. right. He's he the in. warden guy yeah, or whatever, yeah, the guard. Yeah, 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 he's so good, man. He's a good actor. But this is what I'm saying. You're surrounding yourself with great people that are really above network fare every time yeah. I'm looking at it. And it seems like you're having fun, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you know. I think <laughs> As you yawn. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It's I really great. New Mexico. As it goes. I think as it goes, <laughs> it'll only, I think, become more fun as in success. And for me, you know, uh, I just want to keep doing good work you know i'm looking i mean i'd love to find the next true detective but the truth is they don't really exist that much they come around once every 10 years you know yeah, I mean, to be a, a part of it look and, and it's like you working with with michael mann with oliver stone with all of the you know, john you've made a point you've done it really so mm. now it's like what what do you want to you know what do you want to do next all right so now you're doing the tv thing so this is now you did it you're a lead in a hit tv show you'll probably go four or five years okay so it's like then go back to, you know, making movies. I mean, I, I kind of want to make movies in between, too. You know, it's just the movie business is a little weird. They're all just like Netflix movies or very few indies. And, like, yeah. you know, there's no... Or be a superhero. A Jurassic Park uh, right. here and there. Am I going to really go and act? the fourth lead in the no, Jurassic they're gonna Park take a movie. superhero guy to do that anyway though you know what I mean they're gonna take a guy from a superhero movie and go oh you'll be in the Jurassic Park movie because that's what that's the equivalent of they're right. amusement park films yeah it's not a bad thing or a good thing it's not what I yeah. like I don't go see it but I don't think they give a fuck about me they're not like oh we don't care if you go yeah, see but it. I mean that's what I thought was smart about um the way they they chose to do the Joker because they go in and they do a moderately budgeted you know really you know, strong film with a with a really great actor, and and they kind of um, still made a billion dollars. You know what I mean? And that to me, is, that to me is much cooler than um, you know. That's kind of what Steve Norrington tried to do with the first Blade. You know, which was like kind of make a superhero movie, but keep it really grounded. Keep okay, it so really I got a fanboy out for a minute because we've avoided talking about Blade, but mm -hmm. I, I am I am a you know, I mean you know I, I guess you know this, but I'm a fanboy. So just tell me a little how this this blade thing happens because it's like it's not small the comic just talk to me a little about well, how this yeah, how it gets created and how your character how you kind of find it just a little bit i mean i met this guy just give me a little comic i knew stuff. i knew that uh, you know i heard that this guy steve norrington was was they were given this big movie too and i was like who's steve norrington you know and they showed me this little movie he did called death machine which was like this two million dollar english movie and it, and it was really well made for this you know robot movie or whatever and so they knew if with effects and stuff he had also worked with rick baker and makeup he was a very talented guy so i meet him he has piercings everywhere and i'm like this guy's pretty crazy and 
The truth is, they offered me the most money I'd ever been offered. It's it was, an offer. You didn't have to audition for this at all. No, They're like, yeah. do you want to do this huge movie comic yeah, book Yeah, thing? they offered me the bad guy. I read mm. the script. I felt like the, the villain read to me like, A, way too old for me. And also in the comic, he looked like Chris Christopherson. So right. I was like, what's going on here? It's like, Whistler, <laughs> it was Chris Christopherson playing Whistler. Why does Deacon Frost look so old? You know, <laughs> right. like, he looks like a John Malkovich would be playing him, <laughs> Right, you know? right. And Steve's like, ah, fuck all that, you know. Gonna, <laughs> you know, you just make it your own, mate. You know, I want you to, you know, talk the way you want to talk. And I'm like, so, the accent you hear? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, I want to talk like that. Yeah. So David Ayer, I mean David, uh, uh, David Goyer wrote mm. the script, and we just kind of chopped all this fucking shit out, and I just started riffing, and then you know, and then and then Steve would implement it, and David would you know implement it, and 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 basically he just said, look, what do you want to do? I said, well, what I see interesting here is a young guy that is half a vampire and he's pissed that he's not a full blood and i said that's interesting because it's always something that's eating at him that he knows he's never going to be pure and so so he uses all that frustration to take over businesses and take over the city and i said this guy should be in a penthouse with a fucking chicks everywhere he should be right you know making out he should be having parties and clubs and obviously i didn't come up with the blood club but i mean basically <laughs> just started riffing and, and he's like yeah 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 and i said yeah i'll do it you know and so we go back uh you know they'd been shooting for two weeks and it was time to do my first day and uh and it was tricky you know it almost didn't end up happening because I because I was there and mm -hmm. I was ready to go and you know it just was a little friction between Blade and and Deacon Frost you know which is what the movie's about so what kind of friction Steve oh uh, just you know I think Wes was just you know feeling me out wanted to see how much he could you know and I've huh. always had worked with actors you know Jack, all these Jack Nicholson Harvey Keitel all these Susan Sarandon all these people I never worked with an action star so is, I, I was like is this different is this a different game or something what mm -hmm. what's the deal because I did my my first take, and then he walked off to go look at the monitor to watch playback. And I was Wesley. standing on the mark going, I want to do take two. The light's going down. I've been doing off camera all day. We're doing that big scene in the park right. mm -hmm. where he doesn't even talk. He just takes the gun out, and there's that effect shot with the oh. bullets. But I'm fucking saying, spare me the Uncle Time routine. <laughs> Fuck you. These people, are, these people are our food. I have all the lines. So I'm like, can we get this on camera? And I'm like, I'm looking to Steve like, where is this guy? And he's like, oh, mate, he's a... Uh, He's watching the playback, and I'm like, "Well, can you tell him I want to go?" You know, <laughs> and so he comes back, and he's like, "Yeah, maybe you should uh, seduce Blade a little." I'm like, "Whoa, what are you talking?" About? <laughs> I'm like, "Buddy, you're playing Blade. I'm playing Deacon Frost." I said, I, I, "You're a producer on the movie, but you know, I'll give you your money back right now, and I'll go home and get <laughs> get somebody you can control. But I'm going to play the villain the way I want to play it. That's what my job is." He's like, all right, man, just calm down. So I was like, can I do take two? Because I've been standing here all day and I'm ready to go. And he's like, he's like yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> so we do the fucking scene. We do take two, take three, take four. Finally get it. And, uh, you know, there's all these people on the set visiting that day. David Fincher, because he developed Blade originally to direct. Oh, I did not know that. You knew yeah, that? Yeah. No, I did not oh, know that. Oh, shit. And then uh, Mark Rocco was there. Remember Mark yeah, Rocco? Yeah, of course. And, yeah, there's like all these visitors. Bob Shea was there that uh, day. I was like, this is my one. first fucking day. Can I just get the scene in the can? I was really getting frustrated. <laughs> Finally got the scene, and then and then Wesley was cool. He, he realized that I think he probably just was flexing you know he was very into his role i don't know if you remember when the movie came out he I, went on letterman dressed as blade right. on i went on letterman two weeks after he did yeah. and he and, and letterman's like what was up with uh, wesley and i'm like well yeah i mean i wasn't gonna dress like deacon frost tonight but <laughs> i mean look i'm i'm you know 
everybody goes through what they're going through. There have been times where I've probably been in a bad mood or, you know, but I've never really, I'm always about the work. Like when we're there, let's shoot, man. Let's yeah, you get weren't it. upset about anything else except I'm losing the light. Can I get my shit on camera? <laughs> yeah, and I could right. see that my director was frustrated but didn't know how to just kind of, didn't want to grab him and throw him and put him on his mark. He's the right. producer and he's he's the biggest uh, movie star at the time, pretty much. One of the biggest, I mean, him and Denzel, you know, yeah. owned it. He was doing four movies a year, doing U.S. Marshals, Blade, you know, and then Blade becomes a juggernaut and then he did yeah. two more of them, you know, and I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really in the mix on those, but, but Man, Were you okay with that? Like, were you like, all right, fine. Yeah, it was fine. I didn't think those movies ever had the same thing i like i much rather be in the first one you know and be the I guy that was the only one that mattered to yeah, be quite yeah. honest i, I mean they, they start you know the more the, the more sequels. the more characters you put in these movies it just starts to become like a uh, you know like you're trick-or-treating and you're just in a group shot all the time that's what Why? i kind of don't want to happen on deputy either i don't want all the characters to always be solving it together i want characters to do things on their own i want care you know i don't want it to be the goonies all the time you know like all the sheriffs together and we're gonna take them down <laughs> It's just that that convenience and that kind of storytelling is kind of boring. What I loved about Blade was it was like Heat. It was a comic book movie, but it was like bad guy versus good guy. You could rip off the fangs, you could take off his you know silly costume, and right. And this is about two people and much deeper issues, and it, it kind of correlated with life and and race and money and real estate and greed and power and all the shit that is in our world, you know? And yeah. uh, so, you know, Norrington, and, and, and I'd give credit to Goyer, too. I mean, that was a very creative thing they did, and it was the first kind of R-rated, it was the first Marvel movie ever. We're still talking about it. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. People still, to that, Blade is in the conversation to this day. It was the one that really started the new, you know, movie. Vampires like, weren't around. You look before Blade, everything wasn't a fucking vampire. Blade, yeah. and, and just now that, everything's vampire. But that, there's also a problem with comic book movies. Other than maybe Superman in 76, like Blade is the next, the the, the best superhero yes. movie. Yeah, I would say Blade out. and then like probably The Matrix 1 yeah. and 2 were yeah. very ahead of their time. Yeah, too. absolutely. And I then, thought Deadpool 1, 2, and I thought the right. first Iron Man. Oh, I love the first Iron first Man. First Iron yeah. Man, I thought was tremendous. Right. Yeah. You know, and then because well, uh, Favreau did the same thing. He, yep. he was exactly. smart. He said it's all about who's playing this guy, and give and him a character. personality and make him modern and make a, and then we put the suit on and all the kids get what they get. But the, we also one have hour. the guy. You know, one hour in is when they put fifty three minutes in is when Robert Downey puts on the suit. Uh, we have 53 minutes of character establishment yeah. in that movie no. until he puts on that suit. And we're like, oh, this is the only thing keeping him alive. Fuck. Blade did it. I'm saying there's only a few yeah. movies where yeah. you really get invested in these characters that live in these, you know, because for comic books, for all intents and purposes, I write them. You know, they're two dimensional worlds. Yeah. They're not, they're, you know, they're fantastic ideas and, you know, big, falluting uh, thoughts. And you go, this can't really happen, but it's fun. Yeah. But when Blade does it or when these movies we're talking about, there's something else that gets brought to it. Right. There's another level, and you said something that this is what I'm going to hone in on right now, which is you said there was something interesting about this character when you first read it, which is like he's a half breed and he's pissed about it, and there's something about him not being accepted as a like a, a person and not being accepted as a vampire. Yeah. How much of that is is with you, like feeling in this business? Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, you mean like things I would have wanted differently? Or, yeah, like or, people like, maybe you feeling like, oh, well, do you not think I'm a movie star? Do you not think I'm a, like, you know, it's like, I feel like for you, you've done everything anyone can do in mm, this business. Like yeah. really, like I don't think anyone could do anything. Like what else are you going to do, dude? But yet still, it seems like you're always fighting. Like mm. go back to power one. You got to be the last guy standing. Right. You know, it's like, and you are, right? Yeah. But it's like, 
I wonder if that's why you're relating to these characters because look at Judgment Night even look at these different characters they all had a very similar dichotomy Mm. so did Wheeler you know it took Wheeler the death of Wheeler's father for him to realize realize his dream you know so I mean I'm starting to see now all these characters you're choosing have these similar dichotomies I don't know I mean I think I'm a kind of a I'm not the you know I'm also kind of an intense dude and I've probably handled certain things you know I mean look there's probably certain people that would be like, "Hey, we'll just get another guy. He's a lot simpler, you know, to deal with." Well, they won't they won't get the performance than that I would have given, but go for it, right. you know, and make a shitty movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't really I I look at it like as the things that I'm supposed to do, I've done, and and if I'm whatever's next is um, it's going to be a surprise to me too. Yeah, you know, I don't really know. You know, I, I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's like it's like after you do something like True Detective, which to me was whether i was in it or not it was the best written tv show of that year it was the deepest oh, fucking, penultimate absolutely yeah, and, I agree. And, and we got completely ignored by all these award idiots uh, uh which has nothing to do Mahershala with you because he's on a run with you know but he got even ignored by the golden globe yeah. and, and certain organizations i mean you know i don't give a fuck about awards so i don't really care well, i mean people i think they're realize a la- on the other side is that that's a regime change change at hbo that's bubbling under that's happening with david levine and certain people leaving yeah. at that time yeah. and nick Pilat- nick had having his issues with those people at hbo yeah. and there wasn't a certain push that was made for all these other shows because of the regime change that was bubbling under and a lot of people who are out of the business and we they don't came out early it. in the year we came out this january, january january five so we're kind of like at the very you know which didn't hurt our ratings because we're the second most watched show of the year, you know, behind Game yeah. of Thrones. I mean, we, we, we shit on all their shows, basically. And then you follow it up now with but, you another know, dep- show a year Yeah, later. Deputy's doing good. I just want to make Deputy, like, pop the most it can in, in, the, in the limiting um, form of what network TV is. I, and I think network TV can be good. There are some good shows on network TV. But I agree. I'm, I'm happy that it's not just... Like all the shows that I see on network TV, which is the same glossy, badly shot look, you know what I mean? I like that the show has an edge and it feels like it's a movie in a way, you know, even though it feels a little like a Western. I mean, yeah, you know, it should be a modern day kind of Western in a in a in a city. Is that know? a real premise, by the way? Is that a real law in the in the book? Do you know? Because I know you're pretty. Method. It's a bit of a cheat. It's a bit of a cheat. I uh-huh. mean, you know, it's a bit of a cheat. This law in the rule book that mm-hmm. says the longest standing deputy in the mounted posse becomes sheriff. You know, usually the under sheriff would. So you know, it's a bit of a cheat, like mm-hmm. most. Like Designated Survivor or any of these shows that, that show. run on this premise. Yeah. But it's a good enough cheat. There is some law like it in the books. Yeah, and the truth is, as we get through this first season, he's going to have to do it for himself, and he's going to run. And that's the thing is, before, he probably would have let the days go by and said, this ain't for me. I want to go back to being a deputy. You know what I mean? Yeah, you never have freely chosen but to run. But he likes now that he can has a voice and that people listen to him and that people want to, he can implement change and, and, and you know get rid of some of the political shit and the bureaucracy and budget meetings and actually put more boots on the ground and clean up the streets you know and your assistant who is on orange is the new black who has the whole dc past and she was in intelligence Uh i mean she's great it's like that's a whole great storyline that you can you know burst out on what do we not (laughs) what's going on did i hit on something no it's fine a lot of people like like uh uh, me and bex's uh relationship because it's very unique no i mean i i just found it a little far-fetched that you know what i wanted to do was implement more of my bronco but the truth is, she's she's good and pops off the show, and and you know she, her character is going through some changes too, which we'll we'll learn soon. And uh, I've tried to balance it, you know, to where she's a part of the team, but it's not just. I didn't want it to become the Jerry, uh, you know, uh, Laurel and Hardy, me and this. 
little it's girl. Total opposite and, yeah, thing every that's... time, and we're both fighting crime together. It just felt a little convenient and a little too cutesy. So mm-hmm. as we get deeper in the next few episodes, um, that relationship will be tested, and there'll be some interesting stuff that'll come from it, I think, that hasn't necessarily been seen on network TV, I don't think, right? Well, what episode is it airing at right now? I think seven or eight, or that was just it was, eight. It was eight last night. Yeah, so we got nine, ten, eleven, twelve, five more. Mm, this is exciting. The last two, I think, will be pretty cool. Chris uh, Grismer is the... He's the EP uh, director? He's kind of my favorite, yeah. He he really, I think, gets the show, and, and, and uh, his episodes have been my favorite, too. Well, he's doing something very interesting. He's not ever letting it be still. He's very frenetic, which I, I happen to love. I, I want to really see the, the Dave, movement. That's really the David Ayer, the flair and the close-ups into the camera right here. No, I'm not talking about that. Oh. I'm talking about his little tilts and his movements as he's moving each scene along. It's oh, almost right. like he's like, here's what's happening, and then he'll move down and move up real fast. Like, I notice he likes to, Chris likes to do, like, he's like, up, oh, we're here, and then we're out the door. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. I got through that scene really well. Like, I, I was actually interested. Yeah, he's I got mean, a very he fine art, movement. He knows the art form. You know, he's he's done a lot of network TV. He did a lot of Designated Survivors. So. Oh, he did? Yeah, and he was Kiefer's. I did not know that. Kiefer called me, and Kiefer swore by him in the beginning and said, you got to, you know. Uh, he's still close to Kiefer? He's still real, like, I mean, I don't talk to him a lot, mm-hmm. but he, uh, he's a, I, I always loved Kiefer Sutherland growing up. I love, I mean, like, before I did Blade, the reason I wanted to play a vampire was because I loved Lost Boys. I loved him in that Best. movie. Oh, my God. Oh, him and Jason Patrick. Have you not worked was, with, with him? No, I'd never really worked with Kiefer. I really want to see that. Ryan, mm-hmm. why don't you write something to direct for him and Kiefer? Kiefer wanted me to do a movie he directed that he ended up using uh, Vincent Gallo, and I took a different movie, but it was cool. It was a. Where's Vincent Gallo now? I don't know. I like. I feel like he's going to come out with something any second because I haven't heard his name in like three years. Building his own country somewhere. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Planet (laughs) Vincent or something. (laughs) Steven. I mean, Jay, do you have anything you want to ask no, him I think before we, got we him let all him right go? Here. He's been so generous with this. I, so- I mean, I was going to pitch for your next thing. Let's get a musical version of uh, of Cecil the Bee Demented up on Broadway. Let's- well, By the way, yeah, that's a fucking great idea. <laughs> that is a fucking great idea. Like John, John would love that. I mean, he made a lot of money on Hairspray, that's too. That's what I'm saying. That's get a that- great fucking idea. It might be a little too arty for Broadway audiences. Could do it off Broadway. Yeah, hey. No, that's right on Broadway right is now. It? Yeah, totally. That avant-garde thing, you'll be... Uh, in Britain. Well, running around in straight jackets and lighting Melanie Griffith's hair on fire. Yes, yeah. I mean Could that's cool. Broadway. Hey, that is. On that, <laughs> on maybe, that we get, no. maybe we get maybe we get like Sarah Paulson to play the movie Ooh, star. Yeah. See how good this is getting already? Yeah. yeah. I'm saying get Cliff to call John and uh, <laughs> work out a deal here. <laughs> Will you be on Broadway though after this? That could be the next thing you do. That's what you have not done Broadway. I, I didn't mean to trash theater. I mean, I've definitely been offered some drama plays, and I was very close with Sam Shepard when he passed. You know, I mean, before he passed, he was always telling me that, encouraging me to do one of his plays, and I and I'm sure I could contact his Estate. his family, and you know, he he always gave me an open invitation to do something. So I mean, I'd love to do something one day. I just right now, I'd still love. Um, Doing what I've been doing, and I, you know, but I guess you know I could take. I'm just three, saying, Broadway's not out I'm of the. Saying, it's no. not out of the question. I really, from now. Yeah. I, even though I love music, I never saw myself as a. You know, to me, Broadway musicals is one thing, and they they always do that one thing, and even Hamilton, mm-hmm. who was the most inventive with how they did their one thing. It's still a song and dance. It's yep. still the, you know, that, that kind of thing, and that that just has never really been for me. I got to. I don't that mind. Show. I don't mind watching it, but. I just, and I like going to the theater and the immediate you know feeling you get from the audience and stuff. That's kind of cool. But that's what I'm saying. Just I'd rather do a drama. It. I'd rather do a drama. Why not on stage? Maybe. Well, but we I get love. I love to play love, your role I, and just get know. mailbox money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> all. Yeah, exactly. That's all. And then you can have you do something completely different on Broadway. Yeah. That's a drama only. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Dorff. Stephen, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much, Stephen. Seriously. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate thank it. So much, thanks, Ryan, man. Thanks, Good luck with this. Good luck with this show, buddy. Again, Wheeler. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Bye, guys. <laughs>